0: The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level I rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Tristan Pantorato, Wilshire, White Wind Wolf L, Carol Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, Alex Olsen, and Pixel Lab. The GameCube,
1: GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert.
0: Like we've probably talked about this at some point in the past, but Dairy Farmers of Ontario ads are absolutely everywhere.
2: Oh, well, Neil, uh, we are live sponsored by Dairy Farmers of Canada. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, we are not sponsored by the DFO. Do not do not say that. They will sue.
2: <laughs> Big dare. They have so much money, dude.
0: This is not a joke. I was at a concert the other night, and uh new concert in Toronto, beautiful venue. I had a great time with my girlfriend. We finally saw Passenger. Bought these tickets two and a half years ago, so glad that I could finally see him live. But uh, there's a new venue here in Toronto, and listeners, if if you uh if you know music, you probably know the name Drake. He's a very famous Toronto hip hop artist. He opened up a club in Toronto uh late last year I suppose October. Beautiful venue. It Used to be a horse betting like basically casino, a uh, really shady place. But now it's a beautiful club for uh for musicians to play at and uh, it's great. Got a big bar, got some catering, got some got some beautiful lights, some uh some seats and mm. tables that you can book if you're feeling really bougie. And uh, just like during one uh, one of the opening bands playing, I looked up and on the TV, I saw literally, Mike, I'm not kidding you, an ad for Dairy Farmers of Ontario. And I think that we've talked about this before in the past, but Ontario does take a lot of pride in our dairy farms.
2: Is that advertised? Like, is there milk available at the bars? Like, what's like, nope. like, what's 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 the audience? What's who, who's 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 what's the end game here?
0: <laughs> I don't know. That's the crazy thing. Like, it was mainly ads sure. for like upcoming artists, which makes sense. Like, there might have been an ad for Bacardi or some random drink that I don't drink at the bar, which makes sense. But then, like, I looked over and I saw the white and blue, and I'm like, is that an ad for cow's milk? And sure as hell it was. So. I'm going to buy milk regardless. I don't need to be advertised this. That's my thing about milk advertisements. But anyway.
2: Anyway, speaking about food though, Neil, I uh, i had a little interesting conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about something called the BRAT diet. And now this isn't a okay. diet per se to go on to lose weight or whatever. This is just something you do when you're sick. Now, have mm. you ever heard of this, Neil? Do you know what this stands for?
0: I've never heard of it, but I do have, I do know what you mean, like how you have a different diet when you're sick. But what is the exact definition of the BRAT diet? my
2: So the BRAT diet is actually an acronym. So B stands for banana, R for rice, A for applesauce, and T for toast.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So it's like the
2: things you're supposed to have when like your stomach isn't feeling good, you're throwing up, whatever. These are kind of the the four tenants that y- you should be able to keep down.
0: Okay, I'm trying to think now. When I was sick, and when I'm still sick, I really I see I don't like applesauce even when I'm well. So applesauce, yeah, same from, here. yeah I don't like applesauce. Can go can get out. Uh, but I, I love <laughs> apple juice when I'm sick. Mm, I love okay, I love a good glass sure. of apple juice. And actually, truth be told, it's funny that you bring this up today. I bought. I bought like a a jug of Allen's apple juice from the grocery store because I'm just waiting to get COVID at this point. So I was like, I want to be ready when it happens. Like I know if I'm going to be inside for a week, I need like I need a two liter bottle of apple juice in my in my cupboard. So that that's ready to go. And toast is also something that I can agree with. Margarine on toast when you're sick
2: is real nice. I agree. And back to the Allen's apple juice, Mm -hmm. my uh, just got me thinking, my parents still have those massive... Cans. Oil drums? Yeah, cans, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know what I'm talking about? You have to open it with like an ice pick. Yeah. Yeah, I and every time I go down to the basement when I'm there, I I see them, and I guess it's like you know, it's um, things that will never go bad, kind of yep. like non-perishable stuff. If something happens, but I always see them and laugh because I'm like, well, who who is buying these massive <laughs> cans, oil drum size Allen's apple See, juices? I feel like that used to
0: be the only way to buy it, though. That's the thing, and like I know, and, and I know. this is like a thing where like if you didn't, if you never had this as a kid, your first instinct is probably to open it like a can of tuna. <laughs> just like do the whole roll thing Peel it back. peel it back but you're supposed to just peel back like a corner of it like a like a triangle out and I remember having that as a kid but as soon as Allen's or at least as soon as the the bottled apple juice became mainstream that was that was the way to go like no one looked back at canned apple juice and thought (laughs) that was better your dad's just waiting for like the road to happen or something I think
2: it's gotta have been down there for 20 years jeez like there's no way there's no way in the last 20 years new cans of, of alan's apple juice have been bought so no
0: I, I don't see them in stores anymore maybe costco has them or something I, I i don't see them in any of my my local grocery stores but i'm glad that you didn't bring an actual real world diet into into my podcast mike because i i'm not a big fan of like organized diets to me are like like almost like cults sometimes
2: uh, what i get mad at is when it's the which one's the real one there's nutritionists and they're dietitians not not to say that one of them is not real but
0: yeah. Nutritionists is, I believe I have this right. Nutritionists is the one who has to have a science degree. And then a, and a dietitian is just someone who has read a lot of magazines.
2: I'm going to look this up right yeah, now. Yeah. Okay.
0: You do that. You do that. But my, my main thing is like, I don't like it when people make their diet part of their personality.
2: I know that's that. And that's always a tough thing, too. You know, I've worked at big companies before where there's, you know, the lunchroom and there's everyone there talking about their diets. And then meanwhile, there's me with a massive bowl of spaghetti from the night before just going like, yeah, guys. Gluten. (laughs) Am I right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, have you looked up the, uh, the nutritionist versus dietitian?
2: Uh, okay, so uh, although dietitians and nutritionists both help people find the best diets and foods to meet their health needs, they have different qualifications. Uh, in the U.S., dietitians are certified to treat clinical conditions, where nutritionists are not certified. So oh. dietitians are the the ones who have to have the degree and everything. So I, had go, a, anyway. I had I
0: had it completely flipped. I, my bad, everyone. I'm not a doctor. I uh, I will I'll be the first to admit I am not a doctor, but. This is no. This is no slight against people who go on diets. By the way, like if you feel like that you need to change your nutrition habits in order to lose weight, get healthy, get fit, whatever it is, you do you absolutely. Like do it's right. Yeah, for you. Yeah, but it's the identity
2: kind of. It's, I it's get the identity thing.
0: Or I, I, my, my thing is always like if you can maintain it, it's a great diet. That that's that's Papa Neal there putting on uh put, putting <laughs> out his uh, his advice for the day. But uh, Mike, let's move on to a Patreon topic that we got today. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com, support us at the $5 level, uh, get the option to submit an opening topic like Alan's apple juice if you are so inclined to do so. Today we have one (laughs) from Ira Bell, and Ira Bell wants to say, since you guys are so creative, my opening topic for the month of May is for both of you to come up with a rap and a poem about the GameCube. One person do the rap, and the other for the poem. You guys rock, and I know you got this. Love you guys, and I cannot wait to see what you come up with. Thank you for the great content. And then we got a little uh, less than three sign, which I believe is the symbol for the heart. So, Mike, oh, we were, we're both nice. tasked with coming up with a poem and a rap. Now, I came up with a rap. You have a poem there, so I'll let you go first.
2: Sure, Neil. Well, I actually, you know, funny enough that I rebel submitted this topic, because recently I have published my collection. Oh of GameCube-related poetry, and uh, unfortunately, only one good copy has been sold so far. Oh, limited edition. Very limited, bought by me, created by me, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to read you a couple of excerpts from, from my latest book here. Oh, love it. Okay. You, you go, go right ahead, please. Let me, just, let me just get some ASMR pages here.
0: Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good stuff.
2: <clears throat> this first one's called Indigo 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 the color that I love are you from blue purple or something above if spice orange is the color that makes your heart new go to Japan and they'll have one for you uh, that's,
0: that's a... really good <laughs> thank you thank you that's uh, uh... I gotta say that that poem really took me back I
2: think oh, thank you thank you. Yeah, let's, yeah, you're uh, let's 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 find another one in here on page 243 oh, uh, late capitalistic tendencies is this one oh, it's a, it's oh, a haiku oh, okay Found cube before here. My wallet is empty now. Gotcha force remains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all relate to that poem.
2: <laughs> I, I, thank you, thank you, Neil. I yeah, that one that one was a tough one. I, I spent a long time in video game stores just you know looking at the shelves and, mm-hmm. and staring at it and thinking how can I express my my inner grief at uh, these prices.
0: Now, in your book, do you have, like, a photo of the author, like, in the back sleeve, you know? Of course. Like it's, yeah, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. That's a must. I love those photos, dude. It's so good. Do you have, like, a shotgun? Like, you're sitting on, like, a like a porch?
2: Yeah, I'm sitting on a tree stump.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. With, yeah. like, your golden retriever sitting next That's to it. Right.
2: <laughs> will it have online capability? Well, perhaps it will have backwards compatibility. Will it launch with a new Mario game? Well, surely a Zelda title is on the way. That one's called No. <laughs>
0: no there is not no it will not happen that's really funny
2: this is no continued by the way oh okay you must know the future how will it sell surely people will buy it even with that strange shell it'll be better than the playstation and more i can't wait to wake up and go to the store on november 18th 2001 i'll pick up tony hawk 3 surely that will be fun and with pikmin and melee and so much more how can i be sad about this great score i can get it in orange purple and black silver is okay but there's no going back because the future is here just look at those graphics mature titles galore i just gotta beat traffic and get in line to be the first one with this magical cube my life will have begun this excitement surely must last forever the gamecube will go on till 2007 so tell me the seer of future will any Anything better than this exists for Nintendo, Sony, Xbox—you know the list. There can't possibly be another cube such as this. And of course, that was no continued.
0: That's that's incredible. (laughs) That that dude, you went. Did you work at all this week, or did you just do this? No, this was. uh,
2: You know, this was again. uh, It's in it's in the book. So there's 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 more. You can find it on stands. It's called uh, uh, the GameCube, Uh, and you know, not great SEO. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, yeah, pick up my my book of poems in uh, in your local bookstore. Your local uh, your lo- Barnes &
0: Noble, your Mike's copy, co- Noble. copy of Mike's book. And Mike was apparently beating traffic in 2001. I don't know what you were driving, but uh, <laughs> that that's real good. I like to picture you weaving in and out on your uh, in your two-wheel <laughs> bicycle.
2: <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, I'm just taking on different personalities of, of who I thought might have been buying GameCubes at this time. <laughs>
0: fair. I mean, totally fair. We've had some people who did could drive back in the day when the GameCube was there. Mike, that's amazing. You blew my project here, Out of the Water. I, of course, put together a rap. Now, I have to uh, I have to drop a beat here. Uh, now, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Limp Biscuit, obviously, mm. as uh, for inspiration recently. That's kind of the only rap artist that I listen to. You can tell by, uh, <gasps> by, by this song. So, without further ado, Victor, drop that sweet beat. Ladies
2: and gentlemen. <laughs> Make you feel like Spider-Man
0: holiday season 2001. Hit up Toys R Us For something new and fun The PS2 is good At playing DVDs And the Xbox Hot Online Blinks the cat At Master Chief You're playing with Blinks power That is yeah. what they say The GameCube is the greatest To this very day Code name Dolphin We didn't have a clue They were working on a console And a dope controller too Yellow C stick And one Z trigger Weird shape Buttons Random slots On the bottom Black Purple Orange and silver If you don't like Nintendo You can call yourself a gamer Double dash Melee Pikmin win, Waker Metroid F-Zero star fox adventures sunshine re4 night fire monkey ball the game keep was cool that's the name of
2: this song that's beautiful neil wow that uh love the build up at the end there you know yeah. it really got me into it i just wanted more i wanted the drop to come just mm. boom.
0: There's no drop. As you noticed, like the song ended quite abruptly. I feel like that uh, not enough artists to do that. I think that everyone's anticipating the drop and I like to just blue balls everyone in the club. That's what I would do as a
2: DJ. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it feels like an interlude. You know, I love, you know how much we love interludes here. (laughs)
0: Love a good interlude, but that would probably go into Careless Whisper, I think, right after that. That, that, oh, that sweet saxophone solo.
2: Neil, that was an amazing rap. You you killed Thank it. You. Uh, that was very good. I loved it. I loved the ladies and gentlemen at the beginning, you know, just yep. starting it off strong. Uh, I was hyped. That made me hype to go out and buy a GameCube.
0: It got me hyped to go out and buy a GameCube and maybe buy a, a copy of Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water, the classic 2000 <laughs> Limp Biscuit album that I am gonna keep bringing up until it come until it's trending again. I think that's when I'll stop bringing it up. Okay. But thank you so much, Ira Bell, for that opening topic. I really enjoyed that one. Actually, that was a lot of fun. I know that Mike put way more effort into his uh, his lyrics than I did, obviously. Um, but, uh, it was still a lot of fun and I got to, I got to really enjoy what, uh, what my best friend here put out today.
2: Oh, you, you too, Neil. I think we put equal effort in. This was, a, I think you, 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 think too, too highly of me. This was not, ah. this was not a massive effort. Like you counting the memory blocks.
0: You, you published a book. Oh, thank you. You published a book for this though, Mike. And, and now <laughs> just true. going back to that real quick, do you have like a section in that book where like you have a bunch of photos from you in the past, like, you know, like in an athlete biography where they have like one section where it's just pictures of them, like scoring goals. Did you do that?
2: Well. Well, you know, you know, Neil, there's um, there's a lot more pages that you need to publish a book than three poems, as I found out from oh. my publisher. Okay. So I uh, I had to include, yes, many, many photos in here <laughs> and very irrelevant photos of me in black and white.
0: <laughs> black and white, just drinking Alan's apple juice, maybe throwing a couple shopping lists in there, too, just to <laughs> just to pad out that book.
2: Yeah, you know, just get a feel for my daily routine.
0: Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. That's real good. I I want people to know the real Mike Lane. (laughs) That's right. This episode of the GameCube is Cool podcast was brought to you by Manscaped.com. Summer is coming. The sun is shining. Shirts are off and your balls are smooth. You heard that, right? Your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your beach balls are as smooth as Floridian sand. In summer, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues or kill some dinosaurs in Torok if that's your kind of thing. You don't want to kill the vibe with your pubes peeking out of your swim trunks. That's why Manscaped has their Performance Package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GameCube. Everyone, gather around, because I have a confession. I've been in the hair removal game for a long time, and when I was young and naive, I thought two things. One was that the GameCube would be the best console of all time, and two was that I would never have to deal with unwanted body hair. I was right about one of those things, and unfortunately for my face, balls, and most of the rest of me, the Gamecube is still the best console of all time. This touching childhood story is all a weird way of saying I need good tools to keep my dark Irish genetics at bay, and that's where I have to give Manscaped a big shout out. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bod. Inside the package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code gamecube at manscaped.com that's 20 off plus free shipping with the code gamecube at manscaped.com this is the summer to turn your package into the full package with manscaped now back to the podcast All right, let's move on to the real episode at large here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 96 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 429 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's him. Last week, we talked about Star Wars games, movies, and our memories of the franchise to celebrate May the 4th. There's was a lot of fun, tons of great memories on that episode. Obviously, we're huge fans of Star Wars. We got a bunch of nice callers to share their memories as well. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're talking about Turok, Freedom Fighters, Red Faction, and a few other shooters on the GameCube.
2: That's right. Yeah, I'm going to be excited to kind of talk about some of these... I guess, lesser known shooters, Neil, and, uh, and futuristic shooters is kind of the genre that we're going for for this one.
0: Yeah, a little bit. And it's really fun to see. I love this generation of shooters because on the one hand, like we had some franchises starting up like Call of Duty or Medal of Honor, which did come and go a bit quicker than Call of Duty did. But we also kind of got to see developers, I guess, blossom from these kind of starting out projects and then turn into some franchises that became way bigger. And I'm really excited to talk about that with you today.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's dive right in then, I guess, uh, starting with Turok, the Turok franchise.
0: All right, so let's talk about the Turok series. Turok is a first-person shooter based on a comic book series that I did not know about. The series was originally developed and published by Acclaim... Uh, from 1995 to 2004, which is when Acclaim, of course, went bankrupt, which we love talking about on this podcast. Uh, This series actually saved Atari from bankruptcy in 1997, as the first game in the series sold 1.5 million units and was also a good bump for the N64 console in general. Mike, do you remember when uh, when Turok came out, or do you have any memories of playing this game?
2: Yeah, I, I, well, I don't remember when it came out because I was in 97 and I was four or five years old, but uh, sure. I do remember the game. Uh, I, I remember it very vividly for sure. Uh, I think a friend mm-hmm. or a, a neighbor of mine had Turok for the N64. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Dinosaur Hunter or if it was Seeds of Evil, but I think they were both for the N64, right?
0: Yeah, I think that that's the first two N sixty four games. Yeah, I, I don't remember. They're both basically the same. <laughs> yeah,
2: game. <laughs> they are, and yeah, I I remember thinking that this was really cool because I had just seen Jurassic Park for the first time. Nice. Uh, I think Jurassic Park three was released in two thousand three or something, two thousand two. So it was a, sounds right. It was around that time, and I I I got really into it. My cousins got me into it because they were really into it as well, and so I remember seeing Turok. And thinking, like, oh, my God, like, dinosaurs and video games. And, like, this is kind of a different kind of take on dinosaurs as well. You know, the hunting and everything of it is, uh, was very cool to me and very edgy for the time, of course, right? <laughs> but, like, yeah. I – you know, we we talked about this a couple episodes ago with how dinosaurs were in. You know, we had a lot of dinosaur-type yeah. games. We had Power Rangers, Dino Thunder, for example. We had Dinotopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, of course, just, like, The Land Before Time. The, the, the movie series was big. Jurassic Park, like – Dinosaurs were in.
0: Yeah, we had Barney the dinosaur too. And there was that like random like horror show like just called Dinosaurs. Do you remember that one? That might be an 80s show. It might be a bit before our time. But there is like a really creepy... Someone out there knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's some weird dinosaur thing. I don't know if dinosaurs are like still cool today for little kids like boys and girls playing I with toy so. dinosaurs i hope it is like it's kind of hard to tell sometimes like what kids are into because <laughs> I'm, I'm too old and i don't have kids i can't just watch them without getting arrested <laughs> so like i have to kind of understand what they like based on like t-shirts and that's about all i have and i don't see a lot of dinosaur t-shirts we had dinosaur t-shirts as kids so that makes me worried a little bit but
2: oh my god, anyway i love a dinosaur t-shirt as an adult oh my god
0: dude, <laughs> a dinosaur like onesie like anything oh anything god. i can get but to this day, uh, Turok has six mainline games across 13 different consoles. Uh, the first four games in the series, I think, are where it's at. They rate around eights and nines, which is pretty good. Uh, the reboot in 2008 is when the series started to go stale. No, uh, I wonder why. Uh, that's when they started to receive sixes and sevens, and it was kind of clear that the series was uh, was fizzling out, unfortunately. So that's why we see the ports of the N64 games now on on switch not on the virtual uh the virtual service the online service they're, they're for sale you can buy them which is neat mm-hmm, uh, i true. have not bought them i i have a hard time buying virtual n64 games uh these days uh they're relatively cheap i think the original cartridges and was n64's first first person
2: shooter so mm, it is true. a trailblazer yeah i i mean yeah i i guess i wouldn't even thought of other games like that would be first person shooters other than goldeneye at the time so yeah that's uh yeah that is pretty cool that uh, we have the trailblazing Turok, but uh, unfortunately, uh, Turok Evolution was not a trailblazer.
0: No, no, it was the trail ender. If anything, literally evolution. What's what? Yeah, I would love to be considered a trail ender. <laughs> that's that's probably the biggest insult. Turok Evolution was released on September first, two thousand and two. Developed by Acclaim Studios in Austin, this game was published by Acclaim, as we said. Also on PS Two, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, and Windows. This game prices today at around $20, rates a 6.5 out of 10, and this is a technically like a third-person shooter, but you're not shooting other people. You're mainly shooting uh, dinosaurs. And Mike, other than Star Fox Adventures and King Kong... This is one of the only dinosaur games on the console that I can think of, which is crazy because, like you said earlier, Jurassic Park was still huge in the early two thousands.
2: Oh no, DinoTopia we talked about. Uh, we did. And oh, true. Yeah. Uh, and Dino Thunder, uh, Power Rangers. Oh, I
0: don't care. Okay. No, yeah, right? sure. yeah, Dino Thunder yeah, doesn't yeah. really
2: count though. Um, now,
0: I'm just surprised that there weren't more dinosaur dinosaur games. You know.
2: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it feels well. It feels like. I don't know. Maybe the dinosaur genre was waning a bit in the two thousands. I I don't know. But yeah, yeah, there didn't seem to be that much. Also, maybe it was because of Turok Evolution not selling or doing particularly well. Uh, mm-hmm. That could have been part of it too. But yeah, uh, Turok Evolution uh, it's uh it's got actually a pretty good box art. I will say that though. Uh, it's 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 got the the big T Rex on it with like a the Turok logo with the big target. You know exactly what you're getting into.
0: Yeah, I actually have very fond memories or very specific memories, I guess, of seeing this game in EB Games when I was a kid. And this is when I was looking for just games to play. And for some reason, I always had this game in my hand, ready to buy it and never did. I'm kind of glad that I didn't now, but the box art really is cool. I think it's a Velociraptor, actually, that's on the front of the cover. But it's just kind of jumping out of the case, like right at you. It's really visceral. It's an aggressive looking game. I thought what I'd be getting from this game was kind of like what we had in Palladium, which was the uh you know the Jurassic Park games in Palladium where you're in the Jeep with like the mm-hmm. the shotguns and the uh, the AK forty sevens. Those were really fun. Those were probably the best dinosaur hunting games of all time. I used to love playing those ones. And that's what I thought that this was going to be, and it, it really isn't. It's more of just like a, you're you're playing as as the dinosaur hunter, but you don't have like modern day weapons, which I think would have made this game a little bit more appealing to me.
2: Yeah, I think one of the big problems with not having the modern day weapons is the fact that you end up being uh you end up going through a lot of repetition with mm-hmm. everything and yeah. you know looking back on this game like I can see why this probably shouldn't exist today. Cause it's basically just like animal cruelty, <laughs> like, <laughs> like constantly, like like it, it was cool yeah. to take down the massive the massive T Rexes and stuff that are trying to kill you. But the fact that you can just like destroy all the dinosaurs like anywhere mm-hmm. and you just are constantly like like killing them and like the blood spilling out and everything that was really weird to me. Like <laughs> yeah, I preferred I hitting like, the other hunters, like that was cool. But yeah. uh, and and like yeah, like I said, fighting the the massive dinosaurs because that that feels more like. Like a, a boss in Dark Souls or like a Shadow of Colossus kind of style of of gameplay, yeah. rather than this just you know mindless shooting and melee that you're constantly doing as you're going through these levels.
0: Yeah, I guess that's one of the hard things about making a dinosaur game fun without it being just animal cruelty. The game because really they are just animals at the end of the day. They don't really have any reason to target you as an enemy unless they're for some reason infected or or being controlled by some some criminal organization or something. And at that point, you're just playing a like a weird far cry game or something so i can see why that that wouldn't hold up super well in in today's in today's market but uh, i felt really bad reading reading about this game specifically about the developers working under acclaim mm. for this one uh, it sounded like absolute <laughs> slave labor developing for for acclaim unfortunately and uh, i have to bring it up the, the the studio had less than 2 years to make Really, this was their first big cross-platform shooter. Like I said earlier, the the original Turok games couldn't be cross-platform because of the N64 cartridge limitations. Uh, So they had, of the two years, one of those years was only spent making the game engine. Uh, Of course, the game engine needed to run the game, so already half of their time was spent making that. And we also need to keep in mind that Acclaim at this time was also developing Vex, which we talked ah, about yes. way back in the day when we first started this podcast early on. Uh, Acclaim was making that game too. So of the team of 70 developers, they were working on two games, Turok and Vex. They had one year spent making the engine for Turok. And then you have to imagine maybe half, slightly more, 35 to 40 people were left making Turok for that last year.
2: Oh my god! And
0: y- you can tell this game is is rushed.
2: Yeah, it does. It it does look rushed. It just looks like it looks like a lot of repetition. Like I said, uh, it looks like a lot of copy and pasting, especially through the later levels. Uh yeah. And like, it's not a bad game. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, crap on it too much because it's not necessarily bad. It just feels. It feels like rushed. it feels rushed, and it feels like the series kind of is is past its prime in this game. You know, it it, yeah. it feels like that as soon as you start playing it. I, I, it reminded me of the feeling I got when I first played Just Cause 4, which is not a good game, <laughs> by the way. Um, and I, I had barely heard of it that it, it even came out. So I was like, oh, wow, Just Cause 4. Like, okay, I love Just Cause 2, and Just Cause 3 is pretty good. So I wanted to check it out, and it like was somehow worse than the other ones, like graphically and gameplay-wise. And that was yeah. like such a sad moment that I feel like if I was a big Turok fan at the time and I played Evolution, I would have had the same feeling i am just yeah. like, oh, okay, this series can't go anywhere else. Like this is basically where it's where it's stopping.
0: I can't think of a video game series that I've played where it's like, oh, this is it's we've reached the end. I guess that the only one that I can think of is playing Star Fox 0. I was
2: about to say Star Fox is probably the one.
0: <laughs> yeah, that probably is the one, but like I never had that like long-time love of every game in the series for Star Fox. Like I liked the one I loved the one on N64. I liked uh, Star Fox Assault on GameCube and that was basically it. Like, it wasn't like I played every game. No. I played, you know, Star Fox 1, 2, 3, 4 to completion, 100%. And then this game is like, oh, no. Um, but, yeah, I guess Star Fox would be the one for me where it's like, you know, you have all that pent-up excitement and then and then you get this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't imagine working under in this situation where no. like a lot of the developers too quit. <laughs> like, like I think they probably went over a 100 percent turnover rate for this game, honestly, because of like just everyone getting rushed. Upper management are basically assholes, and the lead developer of the game, da- David Levy, has said in interviews long since this game came out that Acclaim did knowingly put out games that they knew were rushed and were not even ready for release. They were basically just putting games out to make money, uh, which is terrible to think about. Uh, nowadays just that like some of these games that people were really excited about were getting pushed out knowing that they were broken and this is the era when games could not be fixed yep after they were out so
2: yeah this was sadly that you know that era and we got a lot of rush games we got a lot of games that didn't even work at least uh, at least the devs were nice enough to work hard and and make a game that did work it wasn't the best one but neil truck just the franchise has probably one of my favorite fun facts and contests <laughs> of all time. Why don't you tell the listeners about this one?
0: I know where this is going. Turok 2 had the uh, the Name Your Kid Turok <laughs> contest back in the day. <laughs> I think that you only had to name them technically. You could also change your name to Turok, I believe, to win as well, but you only had to change it for a year. I think you had to show a birth, a birth certificate or something that showed that. You got $776 and an Xbox for changing your name uh, to, to Turok, and as I could find, I had to do research sure. in this, and i could find that five people at least five people had been had claimed the prize and won the contest back in 2002 my god <laughs> imagine it's a terrific
2: idea you know it's one thing to change your own name to turok for a year it's another to to, to uh, choose the name of your of your infant child and and yeah. and give the name Turok. Can you imagine like twenty years later, like if they they're had at a it- Starbucks and like <laughs> yeah. someone's trying to write your
0: name on a Starbucks cup and they can't figure it out, or if they
2: did change it, you know, and they're like, you know, your original name, your birth, your long form birth certificate says Turok. Like yeah. that's that's insane to me, <laughs> the fact yeah. that five people did do it is is pretty crazy you see even in 2002
0: that sounds like a bad idea no matter how popular Turok was everybody knew it wasn't gonna last forever
2: (laughs) I mean it's the most acclaimed thing I've ever heard in my life right like this is something that acclaim would definitely do you know they're just like yeah like we're the cool studio who's super (laughs) edgy and gonna try something different it's like Mm -hmm. it's like a 2000s radio contest and you're like oh my god someone actually entered this
0: yeah, it's like the hold in your Wii for a Wii thing where the woman died holding in her piss for yeah. like a couple of days to win a Nintendo Wii. These contests are great. I miss them. I miss them wholeheartedly. I do. I do. That'd be really cool. It reminds me of the one that we talked about a couple of months ago. What was it? Need for Speed with the like show your speeding ticket and win a free game or yeah, something like that. Yeah, in Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that is <laughs> is really cool unfortunately Turok not not around today but we'll have to talk more about the future of this series later in our in our closing comments mm-hmm, that's right yeah Turok uh,
2: did have the reboot in 2008 but mm-hmm. haven't seen it since
0: yeah I'll have to I'll have to wait patiently for another dinosaur hunter an animal abuse simulator where I'm just killing <laughs> velociraptors on <laughs> mass all right let's move on to the back of the case of Turok and then we will move on to our next game but first Victor hit us with that sweet jingle it's time to read what's on the back of the case there's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. This is a quote from Game Now. Every FPS fan in the country will be taking weeks off to play this game. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> that's a bold statement to put on your case. Oh, my God. I just God. read that
0: for the first time, and I did not know that that was there. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's
2: awesome. <laughs>
0: The Scent of Blood. Squad Dynamics AI. Troops take cover and establish strategic positions, aerial missions on a fully armed pterosaur with surface attacks and dogfights. Lush living jungle environments teeming with animals, plants, and dinosaurs. Ultimate multiplayer action with dedicated levels and insane game modes. Maxim quotes five out of five stars. Game Informer, high-powered groundbreaking weapons. How much did they pay (laughs) These, these publishers to say that? That had to have been... They got paid off for those quotes. I
2: can't believe the first quote there. Oh my god. <laughs> That's just such, so audacious to write that. Yeah. I do love that we got Maxim back though rating stuff. So this um, yeah, this feels like the game, again, again, this is this is Turok's issue, right? Like Turok starts off as a, a real cool game, very unique, a unique franchise, and then it evolves, you know, just five years later into this uh this game that just feels like it's supposed to be for bros and for like you know the the cool like jackass world that we were living in in two thousand two. It feels like the BMX XXX of dinosaur mm. games. Like it's so strange.
0: But there's someone out there, Mike, who took weeks off to play Torok and then named their daughter Torok to win <laughs> seven hundred and seventy six dollars and a free Xbox. Beautiful, beautiful name. Beautiful name, but. uh Mike, we have to move on to our next game, but I think we have someone joining us. Do I hear our phones ringing?
2: That's right, Neil. Joining us today is friend of the show, Dan. We're very excited to have Dan on today to talk a little bit about Red Faction 2 and Serious Sam. So, Dan, our first question to you is, what was your first experience with a shooter on a console?
1: So, you're not going to believe this because we haven't talked about it, but it actually was Red Faction 2.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Nice! Nice! Wow. The first game you ever played, or the first shooter that you ever played, now you're talking about it on a podcast. Did you think that that would happen uh, 20 years ago when you played this game for the first time? You
1: know what, when I when I picked it up at the Rogers video, I had like a brain blast <laughs> moment, and I, I saw the future, so yes, I was prepared for today.
0: Brain Perfect. blast! So what was it about Red Faction that brought you into the shooter series? Was it just chance?
1: Well, I mean, like, I don't know, the, the cover art was interesting, because it, like, if, if I remember correctly, it's like very minimal. It's kind of like just a, if I remember, it's like a spray painted ta- like tag on like a beige background. I, I like, I'm probably not remembering anything. No,
2: no, that's, that's, that's correct. Yeah. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. Like almost like, um, like kind of communist style, uh, revolution style, uh, artwork, I guess you could call it
1: yeah so like I I, I I i as a kid i found that like like just very fascinating art style sure uh and so i was like that's the one i'm taking home and <laughs> so i i booted it up and I, I played it on ps2 but i was i was just i had never played a first person shooter before really other than like one time that i touched goldeneye like <laughs> as a kid but um but yeah no i was i was i was just like for, to to be fair it's like a I don't want to say a mediocre game, but it's, like, very of that time. Yeah. But, like, it being my first experience was like, a, oh, shit, this is a realm of, like, you know, <laughs> of gaming that I had not explored yet. And it was, yeah. it was all new and exciting.
0: And, and, sorry, you said that you jumped in on Red Faction 2, right? You, you Did you play – Did you, you did not, like, think to go back to the first one at, at first?
1: Well, so <laughs> – so it's kind of funny. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I eventually did get Red Faction 2 on – Or Red Faction 1 on uh, PC. Uh, Mm. I've I've only owned, like before Steam and whatnot, uh, I only owned three PC games. And they were Halo, Combat Evolved. Mm. They were Red Faction 1 Mm. and Serious Sam. Yes.
2: (laughs) Unfortunately, Halo did not make its way to the GameCube, which is uh, too bad. We were close, but uh, we did get Red Faction and we got a Serious Sam game. So there you go. This is the perfect uh, episode for you, Dan. (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs>
0: that's awesome so let's introduce the game here red faction 2 was released on april 1st 2003 a little april fools game for you there developed by volition and cranky pants games this game was published by thq it's also on windows ps2 and xbox priced today at around 35 dollars this game rates an 8 out of 10 and uh as dan uh, so succinctly described it it is a first person shooter and uh, so, Dan, your first experience with this game was renting it. Now, d- did you fully understand the plot right when you were playing it? I guess you would have been approximately 10 years old. It's a bit heavy for a, for a kid.
1: Yeah, no, I had, I had no idea what was going on. I was just
0: <laughs> <laughs> As you do, as you should do on a game where, you know, it's the year 2080. You're on Mars. It uh, takes place five years after the original Red Faction game. You, of course, did not know that yet. Uh, but uh, one thing that I found interesting in researching for this game was that it was heavily inspired by, uh, by Total Recall, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie uh, slash book, I suppose. And it makes a ton of sense, like how it's like this kind of colony on Mars that things are going pretty horribly wrong. There's like a criminal underworld that's kind of starting up an uprising. There's a virus going around. There's people who have been kind of mutated. So you can definitely see the similarities there for sure. Did you see? Did you see that movie? Was that what brought you to uh, Red Faction? <laughs> uh,
1: at at the time, no. Mm, but like, good. I enjoyed the 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 vibe and the, and the characters. Like they were they are all like edgy, cool, you know, mid two thousands characters. Yeah, sure. Um, but like, you know, my kid brain was like just eating it up, mm. and like it, I, I I have fond memories. And looking back, I was like, oh, like I had like little moments of uh, nostalgia of that kind of thing but nice. honestly i enjoyed red faction one more
2: mm, and why is that uh
1: i was i was older no, <laughs> no but... <laughs> true yeah. <laughs> but uh but i mean red faction one was was really cool because you start off as like a um a, a miner like you're, you're you're mining on mars and there's a an uprising a revolt that you you take part in and I thought it was so cool how it uh, how the game like brought you through this and then into like um, an uprising that you know they're they're trying to uh, regain control of Mars kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the the cool thing about like the Red Faction games, the main thing they had going for them was like destructible environments. Right. And there were some really cool moments in one and and in two where you're able to like destroy the environment to get to different areas mm-hmm. or like uh, different scenarios. Like there's like a mm-hmm tank that you can like shoot a bridge underneath and it like falls down and whatnot mm-hmm. going back it's it's like uh it's not as uh sandboxy with it it's kind of like there's a couple areas where it you're, right. you're forced to or like you the 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 way that they show you is is to mm-hmm. do this to get through and it wasn't until uh is it armageddon what was the f- the first like the three hundred and sixty one?
2: uh red fashion gorilla Yeah, 2009 for the 360, Armageddon was 2011, and then Remastered? Uh, was uh, was 2018? <laughs> Simply stunning. <laughs> Simply <laughs> stunning. That that got past the uh, the boardroom there to to make that. But you know what? I'm okay with it. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. The effort yeah. <laughs> was definitely there.
0: Uh, but yeah, that 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 whole mechanic. The uh, it's what's known as the Geo Mod engine. What Dan you were describing there, where how you like kind of destroy the environment with tanks and explosives and everything to uncover new areas. That was what really made Red Faction stand out from other games that were big at the time, the first-person shooters that we were playing, like Call of Duty, Medal of Honor, James Bond. This one had the GeoMod engine, and uh, it's it basically was a linear campaign in Red Faction 1 and 2, uh, but the pathway was hidden from the player, and you had to explode things to, to find it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think a lot of people actually, you said you preferred Red Faction 1. that That's the common opinion amongst most online message boards and, and polls and lists that I could find, was that Red Faction 1 was better because this GeoMod engine was used uh, to a greater effect in the first game. Yeah. And in the second game, it didn't quite do it justice as well, which is interesting. They didn't improve on that at all, which is too bad. But uh yeah, it's cool that you you noticed that so long ago cuz uh just going back to the story as well. Like the whole idea of an uprising game too is is really neat and like we don't see you don't see it too often and when you do it's always in a fictional uh situation like on Mars or we're going to be talking in a little bit later about uh with freedom freedom fighters. freedom fighters, yeah, being like an alternate real an alternate history game basically. I wonder if that will ever see like a video game, like a mainstream video game, be one of these uprising games set in reality. Like, you never see that.
2: It's it's pretty hard for a lot of different reasons. But yes. I mean,
0: uh, you know... I challenge a developer to do it, though.
2: <laughs> I mean, like the closest thing you'd see would be like a Call of Duty doing something like that. But uh, yeah. I, I don't think that would happen for a while. There was actually... You know, I mentioned all the the games uh, Red Faction has so far, uh, 2018 remastered being the, the newest one. Armaged- <laughs> oh, that was made for Dan. I'm <laughs> glad Dan discovered that game for the first time <laughs> yeah. today. That's awesome. Uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, Armageddon being the last new game in the Red Faction series in 2011. So it's been 11 years since we've had a brand new Red Faction game. There was a canceled game, Red Faction Beast which was a game for the Wii, uh, and uh, it was you know, being developed but canceled due to uh, Locomotive Games, which is the developer at the time. They uh, shut down, so that was uh, too bad because they would have made use of the Wii Zapper.
0: I, I, I'm glad that that game did not see the light of day. Maybe we'll <laughs> see it someday. Uh, it also got canceled because back in December of 2012, THQ filed for bankruptcy that year, uh, mm-hmm. which led them to uh, give up on a lot of their, uh, their projects that they were working on. Um, but since then, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of THQ's old licenses have been picked up uh, piece by piece by uh, THQ Nordic, the company that just keeps on buying up everything. If they're listening, we are for sale. Uh, <laughs> so now in the year twenty twenty, they own uh, the rights to uh, to Red Faction again, and uh, even I believe it's is it Koch Media or Koch Media, the original publisher. Or the original developer of the games back in the day they they are also owned by thq nordic so in a way like the red faction series is back in the hands of the uh the owners that originally Published and developed it, which is kind of neat, and that's why that remastered game came out a couple of years ago. Was I'm assuming that they had to renew the license, and uh, what better way to do it than a uh, than a remake and uh, and give it a, a cheesy name because every remake has to have some kind of cheesy name to it.
2: It's true, and uh, uh, and I gotta I gotta give them a lot of credit here for the developer name. This is maybe one of the best developer names I've ever heard. You said it earlier, Neil, Cranky Pants Games.
0: Yeah, it's great. Just a great name. Sounds like they should only be making, like, Nickelodeon games, but here they are making <laughs> right? this, this uprising game
2: on Mars. Correct me if I'm wrong. Jason Statham voice is in this game? I read this somewhere. I have this in my notes. I don't know mm-hmm. if this is true. Oh, it's true. Okay. Yes, and and the guy who played Bishop in Alien. Oh, oh my God. God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, having him in, in there is actually pretty good. Because you know, it's like aliens and everything, like you're on Mars. Uh, that 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 works out. Yeah, Jason Satham being in a game is really interesting to me. <laughs>
0: it is, but like he didn't like do a great job. Like no. I won't say that he did an amazing job. Like it's not like the uh, the Splinter Cell situation that we have with Sam Fisher being what's his name? Hang on, I'm gonna look that
2: up <laughs> Hold on, I wanna you're like I gotta I need to know this.
0: Michael Ironside is the voice of Sam Fisher, but uh, yeah, that, that rings a bell now, but like Jason Statham does not put in the same effort as some of the other famous actors that we've seen in this podcast up to this point. Uh, Like it sounds very throwaway when he's talking and I guess he's supposed to be sort of like this kind of drone, like British grizzled character, but like, I I would have expected a little bit more. The, The villains voices are really good. Like the, the voice over the intercom for the majority of the game. Is pretty good, um, but yeah, like Jason Statham, interesting choice. He was very famous at this point for his Transporter movies, and I guess Crank was coming out
2: pretty soon yeah. after this. <laughs> so this this yeah. Yeah, you did ask Dan uh, where this fits into his filmography. So he had just done the Transporter in two thousand two, and he was putting out the Italian Job and Collateral uh, in two thousand three. So that's exactly where you know it fits in.
0: Was he was he in Italian job I don't remember that Mark Wahlberg is the main guy right and then Jason Statham is one of his one of his dudes and yeah team, handsome Rob okay
2: yeah, yeah. I just remember the
1: mini too. Coopers
2: yeah yep. okay. <laughs> <laughs> the mini coopers are the stars of of the, of the film let's be honest mm-hmm Exactly.
0: But going back here to Red Faction, the uh the campaign itself is relatively short and uh there's of course no online in this game, unfortunately. At least in the console version there isn't. Certainly not the GameCube version, but local multiplayer was praised for this game. Did you play that back in the day, Dan? Or like when you went back to this game? Do you remember multiplayer?
1: Braden existed, so I feel like I must have. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. But like my main my main memory is like doing single player and trading off as,
0: you know, Good Brothers do. Sure. Okay. That's fair. That's but fair. I think
1: I think we might we might have played like if there was an arena mode, we probably played it.
0: Yeah, they've got all the classic stuff, the death matches and the and the uh, capture the flags, of course. But uh, yeah, I've seen this one compared to, or I've seen this one ranked as being one of the higher multiplayer sh- first person shooter experiences on the GameCube, up there with uh, Time Splitters 2. That that's usually considered most people's favorites. Of course, Mike's and my favorite is 007 Nightfire. But uh, just that alone, that uh, that selling point, that the multiplayer in this game is worth the price of admission alone, makes me think this might be a fun game to pick up.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a cool one. Like this this game feels a lot better than it should, basically, especially with THQ publishing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we think of THQ as putting out a lot of shovelware and just like a ton of licensed games. But yeah. THQ was putting out relatively good license games back in the day. And mm-hmm. we kind of forget that. So I, uh, I I think this definitely is a game worth checking out. There are some interesting things. We've talked about this in past episodes, especially with M rated games or shooter games with the German version, Neil.
0: Yeah, the, the the German version of Red Faction 2, uh, I'm assuming that most people listening to this podcast have uh, have only played the North American version, but it's interesting how different versions of games are censored in other countries. In Red Faction 2, all the blood and gore effects are removed. Corpses will disappear after a few seconds. All weapons that allow uh, to set enemies on fire were replaced with other weapons, which is interesting. <laughs> and uh, cheats relating to blood and gore effects were removed. So this game was heavily censored in uh, in in the German version.
1: Yeah, is that is that a common thing for like the German versions of games, or, or is this a one off? Or
2: no, it's a common thing because yeah. of German laws around uh, around like censorship, basically for violence yeah that really kind of kind of stems from like the world War II laws Japan has similar things as well mm-hmm. uh in terms of especially cover art so you can't have a lot of depict you can't basically have depictions of violence on covers that's that's one of right. the big things right and, I and, usually and...
1: think of Australia being <laughs> <laughs> nope, don't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know too many Australian versions of game. We had one game a little while ago. It might have been RE4, but I can't remember. But Germany was very touchy about video games, especially in this generation, because there were so many World War II shooters that I think that they just kind of put their, their censorship sticker on most games that came out. So this game was no exception. Another, uh, another one that happens today is I think China is the country, but it if video games do come out, like a big thing is like time travel with them. Like they don't really like time travel in video games because they don't want anything that could set things on separate paths or whatever.
1: Mm, um, it's a weakness. Yeah, like really, like they don't, they don't want time. Ti- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, sure. travel. It's, China. it's
0: either China or Japan, but one of those two, they don't, they don't like time travel. But Germany is very touchy when it comes to military violence for, for obvious reasons, but. Makes sense. Anyway, let's hit the back of the case for Red Faction 2 if you guys are ready to move on and then we'll move on to our next game. The Faction is back. Fight alongside an elite squad of soldiers to complete your mission. Eliminate the corrupt dictator of the Commonwealth. That's it. Wow. That's it. Sweet. Well, there's a lot of other little things Oh, there. yeah, like the, can... the tiny little Of course, there. everyone should go check out www.redfaction2.com to check out all the things they've been working on, but I'm assuming that that website has long since been shut down. Let's move on to the next game of the day, which is uh, another game that we brought Dan on to talk about, which is Serious Sam Next Encounter, which was released on April 14th, 2004. This game was developed by Climax Solent. They also developed uh, next-generation Silent Hill games after the PS2. This game is published by Global Star Software. It's also on Windows and PS2. Priced today at around $80, this game rates a 7 out of 10, and this is another first-person shooter. I have never seen this game before, but uh, I was today years old when I found out that my one of my best friends, Dan Kerr, has played this game.
1: This Serious Sam is a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, uh... I'm surprised you haven't seen it.
1: Like Me too. I... Because, <laughs> because, like, I think, I think it was between so Red Faction one and Serious Sam. Between them, I picked one up at like Dollarama, and like one up at I think it was either Giant Tiger or like Staples or something random. Staples.
0: <laughs> Staple. Okay, so for the listeners that don't know, Staples is basically an office supply store here in Canada. I guess that they have uh video in games states. at certain in states. Too. Are they in the states too? Yeah. All right, and and America. So I guess most of our listeners remember, will know.
2: It used to be Business Depot. And then Staples bought it, and then it was Staples Business Depot, and then they got oh, rid of the yeah. Business Depot. Sorry, this is for the Canadians who remember the good old days of 2004. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good point. Good point. I, I like to think that Dan was just like looking for these these Red Faction games and serious saying games, thinking that these are the only games that exist, and you're finding them in weird markets, not knowing that there's like EB Games and GameStop that exists selling Mario and, <laughs> and Halo. You're just scrapping the games that you can find in the wild while your parents take you to go back to school shopping. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, it was like 2 bucks, so it was just like, whatever this is, I'm playing it.
0: <laughs> oh my god, dude, this game for $2 would be a great deal, especially today, knowing that it's $80, but just looking at this game right away, like I was like, man, this looks a lot like a rare game. Like It, it looks like the developers from Banjo-Kazooie wanted to combine their, their experience making GoldenEye, and they made this kind of wacky, goofy, first-person shooter kind of tied in with, like, Crazy Taxi or something. It, it's bonkers, this series.
1: Imagine Doom, but mm-hmm. instead of, like, you jumping around and and like and whatnot. You're just running away in a field with everything <laughs> chasing you, and it's terrifying and, and like exhilarating. It's a lot of fun, and I always remember the um the areas like the the locales in mm. like Serious Sam
2: game being mm-hmm. really like visually interesting. Like I always that was the main thing for me. They're super rich. Like the environments are super rich. Like the yeah. this game is really strange. It's a it's a bunch of paradoxes because it feels like just a super budget title. in Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways right like uh it it, it, even like the cover art everything feels just kind of wacky and like okay this is you know like nowadays this feels like something i'd buy for ten dollars on the e-shop but then you actually play the game and you go through it and yeah there's a lot of detail a lot of rich environments and just like even the gameplay is clearly thought out and or well thought out and well done uh in that way too so i was i was pleasantly surprised yeah, same here. And I was
0: surprised to know, like, how many games in the Serious Sam series mm-hmm. there are. Like, the first game being in 2001, and then the most recent one being 2020 was the last Serious Sam game. Yeah, so we have five mainline games and 12 spin off games in the series. Like, I have never heard of this series up until this week and I was like where where have I been like I'm I'm pretty well ver- I'm pretty well versed in video games like I'll I'll give myself that pat on the back today but I was like where have I been while this series exists like it looks like the perfect first person shooter to get me I like first person shooters as is but like they're kind of too gritty for me these days and this one just seems like the perfect goofy kind of shut your brain off and have some fun
2: yeah no exactly and um <laughs> I Dan Neil I have to admit something I thought mm-hmm. serious Sam before I actually researched it I thought it was Pajama Sam. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I don't know if you guys, (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember Pajama Sam back in the day. Uh, Pajama Sam was this like cartoon Danny Phantom looking guy who was in cereal boxes. Like the it was a cereal box game. Pajama Sam Three was my jam. Great game. It was like a you know, it was a 3D platform or not three it was like a two D platformer basically. You went through is somewhat educational or I think it was trying to be educational, it was for kids. And I thought it was like, oh Pajama Sam, next encounter. <laughs> and, I, and I see just like <laughs> <laughs> <"Yeah." laughs> railguns everywhere, just something like, oh okay, this is not the same
0: game. <laughs> For me, it sounds like something from the series or from like the same vein or a spinoff of Duke Nukem, just because it's like, yes. oh, it's another name. The name kind of rhymes. It's like an, not an alliteration, but, it, it, you know, the name has a flow to it. It's, it's goofy. It looks like the same kind of idea here. But for those of you that don't know, the plot of Sirius Sam or the series follows the advances of mercenary Sam Sirius Stone against Mental, an extraterrestrial overlord who attempts to destroy humanity at various points in time. So right there, it's just a wacky plot, and the game itself is relatively short. It's ten hours, or takes ten hours to beat forty-two levels in the game. So they're all very short, and everything. Uh, The cutscenes and the voice acting not particularly impressive. But like the two of you just said, it's the the minute-to-minute gameplay. How it feels like very like very fast, like Doom. And uh, or like Quake, even like this game looks like it's been heavily influenced by Doom, Quake, GoldenEye and Perfect Dark of the time. Uh, The developers were also uh, influenced by the enemy designs were influenced by Smash TV. And uh, the vehicles in the game were modeled after uh, Ikari Warriors. So the 20 person development team for this game had a lot of influence. And you can tell like this game definitely feels like a love letter to a lot of nerdy things from the time.
2: This game reminds me a lot of KO the Kangaroo. And oh, yeah. Yeah, you say that. Like, what I, on I, earth is that? <laughs> so, uh, K.O. the kangaroo, spelled K-A-O. So, Neil and I thought it was cow for the cow. longest time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, K.O. the kangaroo was made by this really small team of developers in Poland. And they've made three and the fourth one, I think, has just come out or is coming out. And it's, it's kind of the same development cycle, it feels like, with them. Like, they are, yeah, just a small team from Poland. This one, Serious Sam, just a really small team from, from Croatia. Just makes Serious Sam games, and clearly a lot of love and detail is put into it. Just like KO the Kangaroo. Like, for example, they know their audience. It's very much like an Australian-marketed game. So when the Australian fires were going on, uh, I think the the developer helped a lot. And they also put, sent out free copies of... Uh, of the kangaroo which was pretty cool Aww.
0: yeah it, it's a neat little little studio I, I like these little micro studios that mm. just exist in different countries and we just kind of you know kick a rock over and we find them uh, climax Solent like they're not really known for anything they've just kind of been this double-a video game developer that's been chugging along for the last 20 years and, and most recently they've they've stayed alive by porting and assisting the development of housemark games on modern generation hardware. Uh, Housemark listeners or gamers might know most recently uh, produced the game uh, the PS5 game Returnal, which is one of the one of the huh. bigger games from 2021. I believe that game came out. So that that's where these guys kind of show their support now is they help uh, Housemark develop games, which is which is really neat. Interesting. And another fun fact about this game: we talked about German censorship. All blood from human-like enemies is green. So yeah, I guess you can <laughs> assume that you're only killing infected or zombie-like characters and not people. Ah, good.
1: A clear conscious at night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dan, what what did you think about the, the vehicle combat and everything in this game? Because obviously it, it is very pushed on, on the first person shooter aspect, but I did notice that there are a lot of vehicles that you can use.
1: Now my memory's probably like pretty pretty hazy on it, but like the the draw of the game has always been like running around with the gun. But yeah. I mean the vehicle yeah. stuff was 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 fine and fun too. But like the, the seller is always like being on foot and, <laughs> and running for life because you just get swarmed so easy.
2: Well, yeah, because like a lot of these uh, arenas, I guess you can call them are huge or they, they, they definitely mm-hmm. feel massive. Right. And so it's kind of that it's kind of that fear factor as well in there that I, I, I like a lot, uh, especially when you do have these crazy guns that, you know, can probably take down people. It's uh, it, it can definitely be a really fun and chaotic time
1: they get a lot of, like, enemies on screen for, like, the, the time that these yeah. games were, like, made. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is, it's like you said, it's that fear of, like, oh, God, like, I need to get out of here. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: It's really neat. It's like, it's, it's, it is like it's a lot like Doom, how you said that, like, just the enemies on screen are terrifying. They come at you hard. And, and, like, this game was cartoony for the time. That's why I thought of it as being, like, a rare game. It feels like you're playing a first-person rare shooter. But then you play the more modern generation games, and it looks like... Like something like Far Cry, like it's not quite that good, but it looks like a Ubisoft kind of engine of a game where it's very—they've got that blur effect when you move quickly. Uh, you you explore the environment kind of the same way. You, you can jump higher than a regular human should. Dan, did you play any of the games after Serious Sam: Next Encounter, or did you kind of just leave it for the games from this fifth generation?
1: I I kind of s- stopped here, not not because of like not being interested it's just i've been playing other things Mm -hmm. um but honestly talking about it makes me really want to go and play serious sam game like right now
2: i do too it i this like this looks like a game i think i would have a lot of fun today like this like I'm, I, I'm, I haven't watched much footage of Serious Sam 4, so I really don't know what that looks like, but I would love to see a Next Encounter remake uh, and put that on the Switch because, man, like this would be so much fun to just jump on multiplayer, uh, yeah. play with a couple – like play with a little team because uh, these weapons are so cool. There's a there's a couple that I you know really caught my eye. One especially is kind of like the samurai from Nightfire Neil. It's like a laser weapon. Nice. Uh, and yep. you just mow people down with it, and that's that's really satisfying for sure.
1: The guns feel really good in this game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like all the serious sim games.
2: Yeah, they do. Even though like, and that's a tough line to walk, right? Because they're not they're like realistic but not realistic guns in the, in the same way if you know what i mean like they're almost they're they're walking that fine line between being super arcadey and super realistic which i think we well we talk about this for all the sports games of this era you know walking that line and i think a lot of the shooters in this era especially serious sam do the same thing
0: yeah like with with the weapons and even the design of the characters like it kind of gives me vibes of uh Overwatch, like it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, like, the weapons are all very goofy. Now, I would love Serious Sam to come back too, but they would have to find a way to make themselves stand out from the, the cartoony games, the online multiplayer shooters of our time, like like Fortnite, like the games that like all these kids <laughs> play. Like, I feel like you'd have to stand out from that because yeah. I think Serious Sam runs the risk of being a free to play online shooter that you know has tons of microtransactions and ads and everything. I'd rather it be like a a classic four player. Arena fighter, maybe with some capture the flag, get some online in there. Maybe like a maximum like twenty to thirty people. I don't need ninety nine people dropped on this map at all. Um, but yeah, like a next but what encounter if? Yeah, I mean, versus <laughs> <What if, laughs> Sam Bowral Battle Battle
2: would actually be interesting.
0: Yeah, it, it could be cool. It could be cool. I think that, I think that we're a long shot away from it, but just knowing that the most recent game came out two years ago, like I guess that it's not out of the realm of possibility. So we'll have to find out.
2: Once again, I will say to. Uh, red faction and especially serious sam next encounter both these games get higher reviews on the gamecube than they do on the ps2 and xbox so just uh want to throw it out there people gamecube this is the way to buy them yeah it's all part of the magic (laughs) it's all part of the gamecube magic well uh i think it's time to read the back of the case of serious sam Neil, what do you think all
0: right sounds good serious sam next encounter an abandoned mothership of Sirian. Is that how you say it, Dan? Sirian? I don't know. Bro, Origin. I had
1: no idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't pronounce anything. Origin is sending strange signals from the past, and there's only one man with the guns big enough to travel back in time and investigate, Sirius Sam. If mental's mutated forces get to this powerful time-traveling artifact before Sam, it's last call for humanity. This is serious. I like the fact that they say that, like, the only guy big en- with the big enough guns to travel back in time, as if that's the protocol, like, that's the prerequisite, <laughs> that's the that you need, you need <laughs> guns. guns. You can't travel back in time unless you have firepower. That's what we've been taught in science.
2: So this is banned in China, I would assume, because... Uh, Maybe. Time traveling, Neil. I mean, most
0: video games are banned in China.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's because he, it's cause he had two big guns
0: exactly you'll notice that we have no downloads in china
2: (laughs) well dan uh thank you so much today for coming on and talking about red Fashion Series. sam is there anything else you'd like to say about these games before we let you go they're good
0: (laughs) 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 you'll never know what you'll find if you poke around at staples (laughs) honestly
1: like like just and that was that was the one thing that I, i really enjoyed about um I don't want to say being a kid, but like there, there was a time in my life where it was like, oh, you'd find a hidden gem like by going to a store and picking it up as opposed to like having access to like all reviews like at all times. Yeah. Cause now, now I'd be like, you know, I see a game and I'm going to quickly look it up to see if it's like, you know, trash or whatever. Yeah. Uh, for the most yeah. part. But like before, it was just like, this art is sick and it's coming home <laughs> with me.
2: <laughs> it's that era of exploration that we've kind of lost, you know, which is, which is too bad because yeah, like, it was uh, back in the day, especially, especially renting games, I think is the big one, right? Like a lot of kids like me and, and Neil as well, too, like we would rent games because our parents didn't want to buy uh, games for us. So it's like, OK, we'll just go to Blockbuster, go to Rogers Video, go rent these games, see if they're actually good. And, you know, uh, I'd say 50-50. Sometimes we, we found ones that weren't great, but sometimes we found ones like, you know, these games where it's like, oh, this is a pleasant surprise.
0: I think that's something that retailers specifically like GameStops or some of the little indie video game stores could do a better job of is like helping players or gamers or kids like just like take a look at what the kids are looking at or playing or ask them what they've been playing recently and then make recommendations for these people like god don't let them just keep buying Call of Duty or let them buy their 10th copy of Grand Theft Auto 5 like there's some really good games out there on the shelf. Like, I know that it's not just the indie space where you can find them. Some of these games do get printed and they end up in the stores, but you don't hear anybody talking about them. It's all just Assassin's Creed, FIFA, Mario, the same stuff. So that's what I took from from bringing Dan on today. It was just like Dan took a chance on these two games and ended up having a great time, and, and Dan's a lifelong gamer now, and it's it all started with Red Faction 2 randomly. <laughs> and then Serious <laughs> Sam when he was shopping at Staples looking for highlighters or something. Like, it, it's, it's all just it's weird how this whole thing starts and comes about so yeah that, that's my that's what i
2: take away from this whole thing is just have an open mind even today like look for look for little games exactly good 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 lesson today neil good lesson thank yeah. you dan for providing that lesson to us as as you do and uh, we always appreciate you coming on we hope to talk to you again soon
1: hell yeah i'll see you like i don't know <laughs> next week or something
2: <laughs> maybe take care dan
1: later bye
2: what a nice young man what a nice young man! Thank you very much, Dan, for coming on today, talking about those two surprisingly good games, and you know, teaching us a lesson. I think we all we all need to hear, Neil.
0: Yeah, we definitely do. Like, I think that that's a good lesson to like you know look for new things. I think that that's just something <laughs> yeah more yeah. People be can, open
2: to new things, new thing,
0: and not just video games like music, movies, TV shows, books. Yeah. Like like open your open your brains, damn it! And. One thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about with Dan and that I'd like to touch on real quick here Mm -hmm. is that the Game Boy Advance was actually home to a copy of Serious Sam Next Dimensions, which is really interesting to me. Anytime there's a first person shooter on Game Boy on the Game Boy Advance, I feel like I need to talk about it. Uh, It's basically (laughs) they did try and cram what the Serious Sam experience was onto the Game Boy Advance in all of its first person shooter glory. They did their very best. But my God, playing a first person shooter on the Game Boy Advance is very awkward.
2: It just, you know, at the time I can see it you know, making sense. Yeah, it's a novelty. Uh, yeah, it's a novelty. First-person shooters on a handheld console is pretty cool mm-hmm. when you're, you know, nine years old playing Game Boy Advance. But after, uh, you know, in today's world, it's 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 basically impossible yeah. to go back to a lot of those games.
0: It, it's nearly impossible. About a year ago, I picked up Nightfire, which is a first-person shooter on <laughs> Game Boy Advance just because I felt like I needed to have this yeah, of based on how much we love Nightfire. And it actually plays relatively well i could see myself being a kid back in 2004 and understanding it and playing it through but now it's it's practically impossible to get through it but what, what serious sam did that other games did not was that you could connect four game boy advances together and play four player multiplayer together like like a little first person four player multiplayer golden eye powwow on your game boy advances which is really cool
2: hmm, that is cool that is yeah. cool
0: but it didn't save the game from getting a five out of ten so
2: yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway, Pick up the GameCube version if you can, yeah, but uh, absolutely. we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Certainly will, but let's move on to the next
0: game of the day, which is Freedom Fighters, which was released on October 1st, 2003. The game was developed by IO Interactive, that's the Hitman guys, published by EA Games. This game was also on Windows, PS2, and Xbox, priced today at around $30. This game rates an eight out of ten, and it is a third-person shooter set in the alternate history where the Soviet Union has invaded and occupied New York. Uh, the, you, the player, take control of Christopher Stone, a plumber turned resistance movement leader, fighting against the invaders. And I say alternate history because this is basically in a world where Russia won World War Two.
2: Yeah, or or the, was the at least like the the main victor that came out of it for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah um it was uh yeah this is super interesting Mm -hmm. i had heard of this game uh from friends of mine who were big hitman fans and they liked it because it was io interactive and there's a big thing on the title that's on the cover that is like from the makers of hitman 2 (laughs) so you you know it's what kind of game it's going to be but uh i i personally love alternate history it's like a it's a Big passion of mine, for sure. I like reading alternate history books, watching TV shows and movies, Um, but there's not a lot of good alternate history. Uh, recently, we've had Man the High Castle, which the first two seasons were an excellent show on, on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Fringe, uh, which is a kind of show, I think on Fox or something back in the day. The Plot Against America is a really cool one on HBO. And uh, my personal favorite for any alternate history, which technically isn't really alternate history because it's not real, but uh, mm-hmm. Superman Red Dawn, yeah. uh, which is okay. where Superman uh, crash lands in the Soviet Union instead of the States. So okay. that one is really, really cool, and I don't really like Superman, but it's probably the best version of Superman to the kind of dissect and understand because you know he's not just all powerful all the time.
0: Yeah, the the mainline version of Superman is is objectively the worst one.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly. <laughs> so that that Red Dawn is one of my favorites. Really, really interesting, and uh, yeah, I I love alternate history stuff. It's quite a niche genre, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it was really cool to see a game in the early 2000s come out that did try something that was pretty honestly pretty risky
0: yeah we don't see
2: it too often i think that's why
0: it's because it's so risky yeah. and I, I talked about this or we talked about this when dan was on just a couple of minutes ago like i would love to see more alternate history and about more real world things in the same way that i'd love to see uprising uh video games happen in in with real world actual things like it's hard to do it without making it super offensive like i heard about about a year ago a book that was written it's an alternate history book based on if the south won the civil war
2: and yeah i have that i have have that book book. yeah yeah, jubilee
0: yes yeah that's the one yeah it's like sounds really interesting and not really good we're not racists but like it's just like an interesting (laughs) concept that like that's something that people are willing to explore and like why not like let's try and think about like there's all of these kind of paths that cross in 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 life, and it's just interesting to know like what would happen if this didn't happen, or this did happen. I love this stuff, and I I need to seek out more of it, and that's why I picked up Freedom Fighters a couple weeks ago when this episode was coming up. I saw what the game was about, and I thought, you know what? This is it. This is when I'm going to try and jump into the alternate history of uh, of video games, at least, because this is such a unique uh, plot for a game on GameCube. I don't own anything like it. I see it all the time on people's shelves, and you see it a lot in in video game stores, so I thought I'm going to go pick this game up, and it's really cool. Like, I, I love the the story from the get-go. Like, the cu- opening cutscene is creepy. Yeah. Like, it's very unsettling. You can kind of feel like this is actually what it would be like. The developers definitely knew their source material, which is good. The gameplay itself hasn't aged particularly well, though, at least for console gaming. Uh, the shooting is very stiff. The aiming is hard. Uh, the controls just aren't what they are compared to, like, modern-day third-person shooters.
2: Yeah, I would 100% agree with that, Neil. Yeah, which is too bad. Which just makes it even more so that this game needs a remake because yeah. uh, oh my God, it would be yes. so cool to have this in modern day. But yeah, it like you said the the plot is the Russians how are kind of invading uh, the U.S. and uh, have taken over. It's mas- It's mostly centered around New York, mm-hmm. and the original name of the uh, of the game was actually Freedom: The Battle for Liberty Island. Yeah, and they just in- instead called it Freedom Fighters. And yeah, it, it during development it. The game kind of morphed uh, from like a one uh, kind of like a strategy type game, like a conflict desert storm. Mm -hmm. That was the uh, initial idea to more of a third person uh, team shooter. Uh, And I I think of uh, what's that? Was that Call of Duty? Yeah, Call of Duty Big Red One. That's one of the Mm. first ones I I think of when I think of uh, Freedom Fighters. In Call of Duty: Big Red, one we talked about that quite a few weeks weeks ago. But basically, what that made that unique was the team dynamics mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of the shooter genre, which you don't see done that well too often, especially at this time.
0: No, and it's hard to sell that like in yeah on a box, like especially in the area in the era of the bro shooters when it's all it's all military shooting and it's all like gangster based games honestly like i think that that's why they probably renamed this game was because of grand theft auto like liberty island liberty city is the city that grand theft auto takes place in right so i'm assuming that that's why that they renamed it and took Uh, liberty out that's just a hunch but i have a feeling that's got something to do with it but yeah it is an interesting take on the on the genre like you have the opportunity to basically uh amass an army like a little uprising of soldiers that you can use to, yeah. to fight back against like basically start a resistance against the, the Russian overlords that are kind of taking over and invading New York. It's a really neat idea kind of like Pikmin honestly <laughs> like you like you discover Pikmin instead you get these guys with AK-47s and grenades to, to help fight your war. So yeah, it's a really neat concept that I, I wish would come back. I, I say wish would come back, but I have a feeling that there's a lot of games like this out there already. I just uh, I just haven't discovered them. Um, like I can imagine the Tom Clancy games are probably similar to this, but I don't know. I don't I, similar,
2: but not that alternate history style, no. right like that's that's what makes this game the most unique
0: and the new Tom Clancy games, like uh, the division I believe are mainly centered around online multiplayer and I don't want to play a game like this online. I would love no. to I just want to play a game like this by myself because it's almost like reading a book. Like yeah. the like the book that you picked up, this is something that I'd like to just experience on my own and and really like get invested in the story and like do some side missions, like like get to know some like families that are going through this life and understand like how certain businesses operate in this alternate city. Like you could really flesh this game out in twenty twenty two and make a really cool game.
2: Yeah, oh a hundred percent. Like there is there's a lot of really really great elements in this game. One of them being uh, this awesome multiplayer mode. You said. Earlier about how you can yeah kind of like garner your own little armies uh, and you can do that in the multiplayer mode where you you get these armies together and fight each other and it's a great split split screen co op that really makes me want to play this game even more because it's it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, that that is really cool. It's just it's the one thing holding me back playing this game on on with with a GameCube controller is that the shooting mechanics are just not what I would like it to be. But I, yeah. I've seen I've seen some uh, on. I've seen some reviews online on YouTube, and they played it on PC, and I think that that's actually the way to play it these days because mouse and keyboard will almost always be uh, the way to go with these shooters, so they age way better. So if you haven't played this game, I'm sure that you can find it for pretty cheap or free <laughs> online uh, on PC and maybe try and play it there because I think that it, it would be really neat. I just had to back out eventually because I just was just getting frustrated dying in the same tunnel over and over again just getting sniped <laughs> by people that I could not see. <laughs>
2: yeah and that's that's really frustrating and tough especially when it's a game that you do want to continue you want to you know keep um keep watching the story and keeps like and seeing where it goes like you said like like a book Mm -hmm. but um yeah hopefully hopefully ea will be nice and put this out on somewhere someday remastered but (laughs) hopefully
0: ea is not the greatest at uh, doing remastered games but we'll have to wait and see anyway let's hit the back of the case for freedom fighters and then we'll move on to our last game of the day Many will die for the cause. Recruit accordingly. In our nation's darkest hour, Americans cry out for a hero to free a war-torn Manhattan from invading forces, join the resistance, and take the war to the streets. They've taken away our freedom. Now it's time to take it back. Yeah, like a really cool game. I would I would probably just recommend at least checking out the cutscenes for this game at first and like yes. if you're sold by the cutscenes of this game, like I think you would really like the story, the plot. The gameplay is hit or miss, but just like I love how the cutscenes are shot basically completely with news. Like they're basically news uh casters and yeah. how they're basically spewing lies about the the leadership and what's going on in the world while you're fighting. Like it's a really neat uh change up from what normally happens in cutscenes in video games.
2: It's really cool. Like, the cutscenes were actually, like, what got me into this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's uh, SAFN, which is the news network. So, Soviet (laughs) America... Federation news or freedom news, maybe freedom Uh, network or something. Freedom network. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really like, and like, you know, that's done kind of in Cyrillic as well to make it look all Soviet like and everything. And uh, it's really cool how they did it. And like the graphics, like I should say the designs of everything were Mm -hmm. very well done. Like there's a lot of effort put into uh, making sure that this looked good for the time. And Just all the uh, the UI is like really crisp, really clean. Uh, Like, you know, me to be a designer, of course, I catch the fonts (laughs) and everything. But like the the the, you know, the save screen, the uh, the mission complete screens, all of them, you know, back in the day, they were super busy. They had all this like weird effects on the text. Mm -hmm. This one is just like white lines, white text, clean, black. Like it's like it's very nicely done.
0: Yeah, like EA, there was a time when EA was a quality developing company that put out good (laughs) stuff. We talked about this several months ago with Lord of the Rings. Like, there was a time when they were... They were the quality, like they were the gold standard of video games. But uh, a long way we have come, unfortunately. Yes, but yes. Let's move on to the last game of the day, which is Blowout, which was released on November twenty-six, two thousand three. This game is about blowing out the, your birthday candles. I'm kidding. <laughs> the game was developed by Terminal Reality. Uh, it's a company that made Blood Rain, Roadkill, Four Times Four, Evo. So not the greatest games published by Majesco Entertainment. This game is also on PS2, Xbox, and Windows. Priced today at around $20. This game rates a 6 out of 10 and it is a 2D run and gun shooter which uh if I remember correctly, I think we only have maybe two of those on the GameCube being the other one being Alien Hominid.
2: Yeah, that's what I had down too. Yeah, yeah. Alien Hominid was the only one that I could remember. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh it's cool that we have a run and gun shooter, you know, on the GameCube. This this one definitely feels like a contra style game that was the first thing i thought of yeah uh when seeing gameplay for this and it was a budget release back in the day it was uh they only sold for 10 dollars msrp really yeah and i i I had to look that up and that is true so this was just a super cheap game that went on shelves uh interesting that like it went for so low but uh you know for for the the price of admission for this one like i gotta say it's it's a good game
0: yeah, like, it's really neat. It, I I get major vibes of the newest Metroid games that we've seen, like Metroid yeah. uh, Dread and Metroid Samus Returns on 3DS, like, especially the 3DS game. This looks a lot like that. It is the run-and-gun shoot em up. up uh, like you said, Contra and Metal Slug very heavily influenced this game, as well as the exploration-like Metroid, and you can see it. Like, it's a, it's it's definitely got that vibe to it, mixed with definitely Alien, like, this game is basically Metroid, but instead of playing as Samus, you're playing as this kind of bro shooter guy who has like an (laughs) infinite amount of ammo and a machine gun so kind of like 2d doom almost uh you're sitting on this space station that's been overrun by hostile aliens uh yeah and the the box art does the game pretty good justice like you've got this character on the front who's shooting Um, an alien and there's a character behind him who's you know about to attack him it's it's a bit cheesy but like you know what you're getting with this game I I hate this box art. <laughs> I, I think it, I
2: I think this is one of the worst box arts I've ever seen for the GameCube. Well, it's only a ten dollar uh, game, so uh... I know. But like, it should have been a little more. It, it's so it's got this mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, like nondescript alien in the background about to attack you, and it shows like the CG version of the character, which is never a good idea. Uh, and you know the oversized machine gun and this weird blast, and then the worst part, the absolute worst part. You know, I just gave some praise to Freedom Fighters for their font usage. Well, the worst part about this is this horrible, like, word art, you know, slash, it's like using the Impact font on here, looks chosen like, for blowout. Looks like bad boys. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's so unoriginal and so, uh mm. that made me so mad. And the text, Neil, the text isn't even centered on the box. Did you notice that? Oh, it's not. You're right. Now I can't unsee it. I hate it. I hate that you. I hate
0: that you uh, pointed that out for me. Thank you. I think that it looks like one of the characters from the hit movie uh, Small Soldiers. The, uh, the
2: oh yeah, okay. movie about
0: toys coming to life. And now it just makes me you want a movie. Small Soldiers game on the GameCube. But we're not going to get it, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, like it's a. F- I did not know that it's a ten dollar game. That kind of completely changes my opinion of this game because it is repetitive. It is a bit short. Like it is just kind of a mindless running gun shooter where you're going through hordes of enemies, but knowing that it was kind of like this indie quick experience game back in the day, makes me kind of think, okay, like I, I would prefer if maybe more of these games kind of existed on, on the GameCube. I don't know how that business model makes any sense though. I can't get around that.
2: Yeah, I know. I, that's, that's, that's a strange one. I, I mean, I guess they made some money maybe, but (laughs) maybe they didn't because there wasn't a sequel. (laughs) Blow out again. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean uh, like, there are some cool things to it, though. I I will say, like there is a jet pack, mm-hmm. which doesn't really make you feel like you're flying, uh, but uh, it kind of makes you feel like you're walking in the air, which is whatever. There's mm-hmm. a, there's the weapons are okay. There's like the machine gun, shotgun, minigun, grenade launcher, rocket launcher, and sonic impulse cannon. There's also a flamethrower that doesn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Yeah, you love to see that. the The music and like the atmosphere. I don't know about you, Neil, but I got like super Time Crisis vibes. Yeah,
0: yeah, I could see that. Like, I was just listening to the game, and, like, the footsteps on the metal, like, you kind of, the, the environmental uh, sound effects I actually thought were pretty good. Like, they were. you, you hear the character running through a tunnel, and you know that he's, he's running on, like, a grate, like a metal grate or something, or you hear him, like, the bullets hit, like, a tank, like a metal tank wall, and you know that that's what they're hitting. Like, the mm-hmm. the, the sound effects there were actually pretty good. I, I have to say that's a perk for the game for me.
2: I agree. I agree. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a decent budget game and it's nice to see a run and gun game on the GameCube. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like we did not see too many 2D games. We talked about this a few weeks ago, how like I would have loved to have seen more 2D Zelda on this, uh, on, on the GameCube yep. would have loved to have seen more 2D, like a Contra game or a 2D Metroid game on the GameCube would have eaten that up. I like that this game was only, they had the restraints to make it a one player game only. This game did not need multiplayer Maybe, like, you could have made it a co op game, like Contra was. I'm sure that they probably, if they had the budget, they probably would have had something in mind with that. They would Mm -hmm. have had plans for something like that in mind, but unfortunately, they did not. So, but we have Blowout, and it's relatively affordable, even 20 years later.
2: Yeah, nice to see. Yeah.
0: All right, let's hit the back of the case of Blowout, and we will move on to our closing statements. As transferred, Marshal John Dutch Kane, you've been assigned to suppress a clone uprising on the battle platform Honor Guard. Annihilate huge enemy bosses. Take out swarms of mutant creatures. Destroy walls and floors to reveal secret areas. Metroid. Wield an array of explosive high-tech weaponry. That's it. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. that's it. I
2: mean, yeah. yeah, that's true. Those are all the true things that you can do in this game.
0: Rated T for T for blood and violence. But Mike, from the games that we've talked about today, are there any games that you've played that you recommend the folks out there pick up? Or are there any games that you are now looking for?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? Well, maybe other than Turok, you really can't go wrong, I would say, with any of these games. Uh I, I Turok, you should if you haven't, you should play the old Turok games, especially the ones yeah. for N64. Really, really fun. Uh just a blast. Unfortunately, obviously like we said, the GameCube one didn't quite cut it. Uh Red Faction 2 is one that uh, I always have on my list of things to pick up. And now that Dan kind of, you know, pushed me in that direction, I think Red Faction 2 would be one I pick up. Um Freedom Fighters. I would like to pick up, but I might just watch. Or, well, I have watched a lot of it uh, already. But I might watch the 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 full cutscene movie yeah. <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> nice. because it is the the story is really interesting. Uh, I don't think I would pick up Blowout, even though it's a you know solid budget title. And Serious Sam, I would love to pick up, but at eighty dollars is a bit pricey.
0: Yeah. I I agree. Uh, After playing Freedom Fighters, I think that it's the story itself is worth the price of admission. I think that it would make a great Netflix series, honestly. And I think that this. Yes. I think that that's a great idea for like a concept for a video game series or like a license where uh, the developer or whatever they make like kind of a like an anthology of alternate history wars where different uh, there's different victors for each war and how it's affected present day I think that that's a really cool concept that should be explored more be a really neat almost history lesson kind of like an alternate yeah. history lesson if you will people will get better at that history lesson than actual history but uh yeah that that game is really neat but I think that if you have to pick like a resistance kind of uprising game I think that red faction 2 sounds like a better experience it has that ultimate has that awesome multiplayer mode as well, which sounds really neat. I would pick the game up just for that. So I'd be on the hunt for Red Faction 2 if I can find it at a good price. I agree that Serious Sam looks really, really cool, but 80 bucks sounds a bit pricey. But I have a feeling that if you can get that game now for that price in a few years, I'm sure that you will thank yourself because I think that game is the next one to like reach $150 in a couple of years.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that one probably didn't sell that much. So no. yeah, I can see... I can see demand going up and supply is limited.
0: Oh yeah, supply for that game is definitely limited. But Mike, do you see a future for any of these games on uh, on Nintendo hardware? Do you think that any of these long dormant games will come back, or if uh, are any of these games still around? I'm trying to think now. Like Red <laughs> Faction, Serious Sam,
2: Serious Sam is. Serious
0: Sam is. I guess that's true. We talked about Serious Sam coming out in 2020. Do you think that any of these other games will uh, will see a comeback, like Blowout Two?
2: No, so blow it's dead. (laughs) Uh, And Freedom Fighters is probably dead Mm -hmm. for now, unfortunately, especially with IO Interactive working on James Bond. Not interested. I'm not sure if EA Games has any interest because, you know, it's EA. Uh, So I would Mm -hmm. put that on the back burner. Uh, Red Faction might get... Some new games, you know, we did get the Remastered, you know, insert Dan laughter here. (laughs) We did get the Remastered edition in 2018, quite recent. So I could see Red Faction 2, Red Faction 3, or something, you know, coming to a Nintendo console. And Turok is a, that's an interesting one. Turok is is a gamble, I would say. Because Turok, a lot of people know it from the N64 era. And, you know, if Nintendo does put the N64... Classic or whatever online that uh, that they'll probably do eventually, Turok: Dinosaur Hunter will almost certainly be there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. That, Turok's up in the air for me. What about you? What do you think?
0: You see serious sam you're right is still around so i can't say that game has the best chance because it's still here so we have to we have to cast aside serious sam or pajama sam whatever your name is (laughs) uh red faction is kind of bubbling like we've we've seen remastered i think that i don't know if it sold super well but i did go on the eShop this week just to check it out because i was like oh maybe i'll buy it and play Mm -hmm. it but it was still 30 dollars, and that's a bit much for a remastered game of a game that i've never played before like i'm sure it's it might be worth that, but I'll wait for a sale. I thought it might have been more like $14, thinking. It's been out for a few years. It's probably done its big sale, but $30 is, is a bit much for me. But uh, I think that that series does have a chance of seeing a new game. I don't know when we it would come out. Like I think it would have to wait for like a real lull in games to, to have any chance of standing out, unfortunately. Turok is the game that I think has the biggest chance of coming back and being really good only because there are no really cool dinosaur hunting games or dinosaur no. fighting games the closest thing that we had was horizon zero dawn and horizon forbidden west that just came out and they're basically dinosaur fighting games even though they're robot dinosaurs they're technically dinosaurs and those games are really cool like they review very well they're beautiful like just dinosaurs in the wild are, <laughs> are just cool like dinosaurs yeah, are just yeah. awesome so yeah. I, I think a Turok game in in modern with modern graphics like make it a huge open world with you know, different tribes. Like you could make basically Horizon, but with actual dinosaurs. I think that that could be really neat. And yeah, Toruk was a huge deal. Like we talked about, it saved a claim from their first chance of bankruptcy, and uh, and it had a long run on N sixty four and GameCube. So I would, I think of these games, I would, I would love to see Turok come back.
2: Yeah, yeah, me too. I would yeah. love to see it, but we'll have to wait uh, and see. Maybe we can will this one into existence too, or maybe Neil, we can do the ultimate combination the ultimate crossover Mm. Godzilla destroys all monsters meets Turok
0: (laughs) what do you think just Godzilla fighting Turok the dinosaur hunter or what it oh you mean like you're hunting Godzilla as Turok that's right Oh, my God.
2: No, you're, you're hunting Godzilla, Mothra, Rodin.
0: Yes, Metal Godzilla, but you only have a spear. Good luck. <laughs> that is the ultimate crossover. But, Mike, while I'm waiting to hunt Godzilla as Turok, the dinosaur hunter, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 97 of the
2: GameCube School podcast. On episode 97, Neil, we have rhythm games specifically we're gonna be talking about the donkey Konga Ooh. games and the wonderful bongo accessory mm. and uh we're really excited to talk about that our first time that we've gotten to talk about dance or music or rhythm games on the gamecube there's not that many there's only five uh six if you count the mario party uh um, w- titles with the mic but um oh, yeah, yeah. that doesn't count <laughs> no <laughs> but we're excited to talk about donkey Konga, uh, mario ddr which was a pretty big thing for in 2005 Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, rhythm games, music games in general were just starting to come into their own in this generation. We had DDR and Guitar Hero was just on the precipice of becoming the biggest thing. Like Mike, you and I both remember late junior high, early high school. Everyone had Guitar Hero. Everybody had Rock Band. DJ Hero, not so much. And then <laughs> the rhythm series, the rhythm genre, really came and went super quick. So I'm I'm excited to talk about the the handful of GameCube games that we did have didn't have any uh guitar hero games on gamecube that I'm disappointed about but nonetheless we did have a few a few bangers that'll be really fun to talk about.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: listeners, remember we are getting very close to episode 100, so please send us your list of your favorite 30 Nintendo published or developed games and we will uh procure our list of the top 100 Nintendo games of all time. We're looking forward to celebrating episode 100 with that list. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 96 of the GameCube is Cool podcast, new episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating or a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool. All patrons get the show ad-free and a little early. Thank you so much to everyone over there. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the GameCube Pod, and you can join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. The GameCube was cool. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Talcet. Neil says hi. He's the dinosaur hunter. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for the support, <laughs> and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. What do you think it takes to become a dinosaur hunter? Like, do you think that there's tryouts or interviews? Like, how, do, how did that work?
2: I think it involves time travel, Neil.
0: Time oh, okay. So there are no Chinese dinosaur
2: hunters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're banned in China.